so take your Bible, turn to Colossians chapter 1. I'm glad to see each one of you here tonight. Last week, we, uh, my verse is verse 27. And I'd like to read it in verse starting 25. Chapter 1, verse 25. Uh, he's, he's t- for the first 24 verses, he has laid uh, Jesus. We saw that last week. Every verse says Jesus. Every verse says something about the Lord. And then he says in 25, Whereof... I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. What he said is, this is my work, and this is my time. And I want you to understand some things. I've, this this uh, passage has really got a hold of my heart. We come here week after week. We hear message after message. They slide off of us like uh, water off a duck's back. And we move on with our life. But this is our time. And this is our calling. And this is our purpose. And And that's what Paul is saying. Even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but is now made manifest to his saints. In Paul's day, it was 4,000 years. Now it's 6,000 years. And the world still wonders about, you know, where's God? What's God doing? Who's God? Where, how do I find God? While we play silly games. And we are we ought to get a hold of this. We are the mystery that was hidden from generations. We, the church, the gospel-carrying vessel to the whole world. I mean, social, social workers can't fix the problem. A new president can't fix the problem. We are the answer that you say, well, but I don't, I can't do anything. Think about this. I heard a fellow preaching on David the other day. We, 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 David, the man after God's own heart. Y'all are familiar with that verse, I know. And here's the way we emphasize it. We emphasize it in David. David, in what David was as he carried God around. That's the way we emphasize it. But long before David even was born, long before uh, 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 the prophet would go down to anoint him, and long before Eliab and and the brothers would show their strength, and and God God wasn't rejecting them for something they were, but approach the verse this way. The man after God's own heart. God had a heart for the man long before the man had a heart for God. The mystery has been 
in this world from day one. How's God going to save the lost? How's God going to set up a kingdom? How's God going to get glory to... And Paul said, the mystery which hath been hid from the ages and from generations is now made manifest to His saints. And long before you were saved, God already selected something in you that He needed to build the kingdom. Why would it? Why would He choose? It's not our looks. It's not our intellect. It's not our talents. It's just something, some God seed in us that allows us to become a, a answer to what God's going to do in this generation. You look around at these, I was talking about the older, that old generation of preachers, I, I think about them regular, the ones that are gone. They were nothing. I mean, they were just people like we are. But God used them they were, he sought them out, he developed them, and he poured them out for his use. Not just the preachers. I think one day when we get to the judgment seat of Christ, we'll be surprised those little little old ladies with a knot on the back of their head and, and uh, old Dr. Bottle Stopper sitting over there and, and God's passing out those rewards and that little 90-pound weakling steps up and receives her reward for that part of her generation. Because God saw something in her. And she used what she had for God. That's the mystery. He said, He said, The mystery which is now made manifest to His saints. To whom? God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is, and the phrase, it just rings in my heart, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now last week, we spent our whole uh, Wednesday night time on Christ in you. And we didn't nearly get it covered, but we looked at we looked at the uh, the person of Christ, and then we looked at the person of Christ in us. and And you can back up to verse one and just follow it down through to to this verse. To uh, I mean, beginning in verse thirteen, we went verse by verse, and he keeps he he begins with the image. Uh, of God, and then he says, the, uh, uh, the, the kingdom of his dear son, and starts with his dear son and works his way down. Well, I'm not going back over that. I, I would like to. I'd like to cover it much better than I did cover it, but I've got other things. I, I want to look at this part. I told you last week we're looking at it like somebody left me a little jewel up here. See when you look at this when you look at that diamond 
if you think that's a diamond, I got a bridge up there in Brooklyn I'd like to sell you. But when you look at the diamond, it's just a piece of glass until the cutter cuts it. And it, and what catches your eye, that jeweler knows how to lay out that black cloth and put the diamonds on the black cloth and then shine the light because the as that diamond catches the light and it's such flashes of light, that's what catches your eye. That's what makes it valuable. So, I wanted to kind of decide, dissect this. So I've got, my point number two is Christ in you, the hope. We've already covered Christ, and we've covered Christ in you. Now I want to talk about the hope, and I'm going to stop there because I want to talk about hope. Bible hope. We use we use hope as kind of a wimpy word, isn't it? I mean, well, I hope it won't rain. I hope the sun shines. I hope uh, Mama makes my favorite meal for supper. We use that word. All, that's the way we use the word. It might or might not be that way. That's not Bible. That is not Bible. This word, this this. Bible hope in the New Testament is El Peace. El Peace has got three definitions. I've wrote them down here. I got this out of Strong's. I'm not a Greek scholar. Uh oh. Don't pay attention to that thing. Can y'all hear it? Oh, well, I'm hearing it in my ear. It trans, trans, this, this Greek word, El Peace, translates this way. First of all, happy anticipation. You remember when it was, you remember when you were a little fella and it was birthday coming or Christmas coming and you were anticipating. And you know, at my house, I was never disappointed. My mother would go, uh, an extra, she'd go extra just so that we wouldn't be disappointed. I remember one year getting a hand-painted used bicycle. She had spent probably a month painting that bicycle for me. I wasn't disappointed. I didn't care if it was homemade and hand-painted. It was I, I had never had a bicycle, and I enjoyed that bicycle. Well, that's the first hope in the Bible is a is a strong says an anticipation with pleasure in mind. Secondly, hope, this word L peace, the second is we're wishy washy and kind of whimsical about hope. We hope, but we don't know if it'll be, or we don't really expect much, right? We hope, but if it doesn't happen, it's okay. That's not Bible hope. Bible hope is concrete. This is this is Strong's definition: concrete expectation. When God promises it, 
It's going to be so. I'll show you a verse in a minute. And then, finally, confidence built by faith. Confident faith that what God says He'll do, He'll do. That what God's uh, pattern for me is, it will work good for me. So, uh, and, and that word, El Peace, 53 times in the New Testament, says glad expectation concrete ex, uh, glad anticipation concrete expectation and confidence because of faith every time you read it you ought to you ought to just think about that it, there's no room for doubt there's no room for a cloud there's no room for an if god uh, and god's going to say that it would be I've got a I've got a section I I won't cover in either one of these messages, but there's people all around of us today. You you think about the tragedies and the heartaches that we have seen just around us in the last five or six years. How would you face any of that without the hope that is built in Christ? How are you going to face it without Christ in you? The, not a hope of glory, but the only hope of glory. Our only hope is in Christ. Our every hope is in Christ. And Paul's going to say, I might as well go over, I've got it marked somewhere down here, but go over to Hebrews chapter number 6. I'm going to skim some verses. This is running a rabbit on this word hope. But verse 13 says, When God made a promise to Abraham, for when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. Skip down. Uh, I don't have, I can't cover all these verses. 17, wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of the promise the immutability, immutability of his counsel, he confirmed it with a hope. 18, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to listen, to lay hold on the hope that is set before us. What is the hope that is set before us? It's Christ in you. That is the hope of glory. Look at it. Which hope, verse 19, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which entereth into that within the veil. If you look through this over there at about chapter 9 of Hebrews, you'll see Christ taking His own blood into that holy place not made with hands. He and the Father will have a declaration there and God's going to say, 
I'm satisfied with the sacrifice. But look at it. Into the, within the veil, whither the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. I want to talk about that just a minute. I lived on the coast. We had a, we had a uh, missionary to the port of Houston for several years out of our church. And we made trips to the port regularly. Uh, every time we had a mission conference, we took a, all the missionaries down to the port. And you could, you could go to the port. You've seen pictures, or if you've never been there, but those big giant ships. And there's a big old chain that, and a, some kind of a super-duty winch and, and an anchor that may be tons, may weigh tons. And, and when they drop that anchor, they have to have that, that, that big motor just to lift the anchor. But that, in that sea, out in the sea, you've got to have an anchor that holds. It can't drag around and be an anchor. So, so this verse says, Whither the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. I don't have time to go there. But you could go over to Acts chapter 27 and Paul is in the storm. And the sailors are making a run. No, the soldiers are making a run. The sailors are making a run for the, we would call it the lifeboat. They called it the forerunner. And what it was, those ships, those ships in that day did not have a big multi-ton anchor. They, they wouldn't have been able to move it if they had it. They didn't have a chain on board. There was, but what they had was ropes. And there was a little boat on that ship called the Forerunner. And so when the storm is in the sea, somebody would get in the Forerunner and go up into the harbor, up into the bay, somewhere where the wind is not blowing and the storm is not, uh, and, they, and they would find a big granite boulder or something and tie off that rope to the stone up there in an immovable object in the bay. Now he said, our forerunner is already for us entered He's over there where the wind never blows and the storms never uh, happen. He, he's already set down the anchor of our hope in heaven. And, and our, our, the anchor of our soul. Hey, Susie and I have been through some storms in our family in the last couple of years. Four or five years. I mean, some of our grandkids are in, in hell's half acre tonight. And they're, they're in danger. And we've cried and we've begged and we've, we've pleaded. 
And we've come down to this. All I can do is pray. But if they survive this storm, it'll be because the anchor that's in the holy place in heaven is interceding for them tonight. You've got somebody in that, hey, it might be a physical disease, it might be a, a mother or dad or kinfolks in trouble. We've got an anchor. And it is this. Christ in us. The hope of glory. He says in verse number uh, 19, this is the, uh, 18 and 19, he said, that's the anchor of our soul. And I, I just want to say to us, we need to get back to it. It's not about going down to the church and having a little hoop-de-do. It's not about who sung last week or who preached last week or did we, uh, did we feel good or did we feel bad. What, what matters is Christ in you, the hope of glory, the only hope, the hope, not a hope, the hope of glory. If you get to heaven, it'll be because Christ is in you. If you have peace in your heart, it'll be because Christ is in you. If you have any hope in this wicked world, it's Christ in you. And I want to say, we just need to get back to Him. Amen. Uh, I've listed some things that we can have hope in. Because Christ is in us, here's our hope. First of all, salvation. Can you go back to a day when you received Jesus Christ in yourself? He said, if it, here, the word is nigh thee. Even in thy heart and in thy mouth, the word of faith which we preach. That if you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, the Lord Jesus comes in to live in you. Think about that. God, the, the, this whole, the whole universe can't hold him. And, and that word Emmanuel says, God with us. God came to be with us so he could be in us. And that's pretty glorious right there. I mean, if we never went to heaven, I'm saved. And I've got that, I've got the, the prince of all of heaven living in my heart. I can get prayers answered without ever saying a word. He works in me when, when it looks like impossible situation. That's what I'm asking him to do for my grandchildren and my family. That's my hope. That's the anchor. Uh, so at salvation, there had to be a time when you, you, you weren't born saved. There had to be a time that you got saved. That is, when he moved in. Then that, the next step is security. I don't have time to go to every, all the stuff I'd like to, but he's moved in. Somebody said, where's Jesus live? He lives right here. I can remember the first time 
I ever realized. I went to a thing over here in Irving, and uh, we were having a, it was a, a Bible dedication study time, and they had a little guy up there, and he said, hey, look up the first day. He said, hey, look up here, and he fanned his coat open. He said, look right here. He said, you're looking at the righteousness of Christ. I wanted to throw a rock at him. <laughs> I'd never, I, I thought, well, you pompous outfit. <laughs> it sounds, sound, but what he, as he went through the week, he professed himself as nothing. But all that he was was what Christ was in him. And when I got a hold of that truth, it changed my life. Before the week was over, every time he'd quote a verse and get and get a little deeper with it, I'd go to crying because I couldn't believe that Jesus would do that for me. Would just be there day in, day out. Just the the upside down days and the hey, it's not all a shout out. It's not always hallelujah, we're in church. There's hard, tough days and tears and heartaches and suffering as a Christian. But get this. His address is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And if He moved in, he's, there only, there's only one way He changes His will. He either died or He's forsaken saving souls and He's moving back. I wouldn't blame Him for doing that some days in my life. But it's not going to happen. Uh, he's bigger than we are. His will's stronger than our will. And you may fight against Him, but you're not going to win. And He's not leaving. You can tell your charismatic friend you can't lose it. He moved in and He's there till we move out of here. The next step, I see, I've been studying on that uh, Three parts of the human. There was a day, there was a day as a twelve-year-old boy when he saved me spiritually. I was just as saved that that day spiritually as I've ever as seventy years later. Ever since that day, he's been saving me in my soul. We call it Christian growth. There's been ups and downs and out ins and outs and. I've failed, but the Bible said that a righteous man will get up seven times and go again. Well, I'm only righteous because he lives in me. It's not Wayne Hudson, but it's the righteousness of Christ in me. That's the hope of glory. And so he's been saving my soul for 70 years now. I know more than I did back then. I can do some things I couldn't do back then. I've, I've got some faith I didn't have back then. Sometimes I had to fall flat on my face to learn some of the... Uh, huh? That's where we are, isn't it? There, we have bad days. But, the, but here's the good part. When, you, when you're running the race with Jesus and you fall flat on your face, you don't have to go back and start over. He picked, look at Jonah. He picked him up out of that whale 
out of that fish belly, set him on, he, he may have had, I don't know what he had on him when he left that well. Can you imagine the stink <laughs> of a well belly? But he set him on the shore and said, go on and get to over there. I want to use you. And two days later, they're having revival in the most wicked city in the world. You wouldn't have picked Jonah. I wouldn't have picked Jonah. But God picked Jonah. And God lived in him. And he had the hope of glory on him. So, security. How about strength? Look down here at this. Look down here to over here at our over verse number 29. He said in 28, This is whom I preach and teach and present. And, and, and then he says in verse 29, Whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. How are we going to serve God? Only as we submit ourselves and let Him... It's, hey, living for Jesus is not living for Jesus. It's letting Jesus live in me. He's there. He wants to work out of you. It's, and so... Uh, so and the, uh, the, the security, the strength... Paul said, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. It's, it's through Christ who lives in me. That's my strength. And supplies. Matthew chapter 6 verse 33 said, Seek first, what? The kingdom of God and His righteousness. Then all these other things. Cadillacs and houses and no telling what. Then all these other things will be added unto you. Everything you need to go through life as a happy soldier of the Lord. Paul told his soldier boy, you endure hardness as a soldier. But even, hey, have you ever been around these Bob Rebick's that's been in the Marine Corps and there's an esprit de corps about those guys. And even in the dark days, the hard days, I can remember my, my uncle, my uncle was on Iwo Jima when he was 18 years old. His best buddy got killed there. He came out of that war, turned inside out. But I can remember the joy when those guys would get together, it always amazed me how they, those that had given their lives in, in, in together, how they joined up. They may not see each other for 10 years, but all of a sudden they're back and that we're, we're, they're still best friends. And uh, huh? You ever seen that? That's us. We may... We may uh, fall out and struggle with one another. Colossians chapter 3 says, Forgive and, forg and forbear. Forgive and forbear. 
Didn't say you had to like them. Just forbear and get on with it. We, because it's, He's living in us and He can supply our need. And so I, I, got, I got to go on. Yeah, I got, I got more to say. So the next step is Christ in you, the hope of glory. I just want to say a word or two about glory. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if you've ever studied much on glory or thought much about glory. I, this I got this one out of Strong's too. Doxa, D-O-X-A. That's the Greek word. It speaks of brightness, splendor, excellence, magnificence. Uh, when you speak of the glory of God, you're talking about the manifestation of any or all of His attributes. So, over here's old Joe. He doesn't look like much, but he's got grace in his life. And he gets by... Uh, Struggles through situations that would destroy every one of us because it's Christ in Him. And then there's over there's someone else, and they they display they've got so much patience, and they they display the mercy of God. See that word glory, that word doxa. It says all the attributes of God. God is long-suffering. God is uh, full of mercy. God is love. God is righteous. God is holy. God, you see what I'm saying? When you say glory, all, all of that, uh, Spurgeon said it this way, Christ in you means you in glory. If Christ is in you, you are in glory. You're in glory now, but it doesn't yet appear what you'll be because He's going to glory. See, I said a while ago, He saved me spiritually and He's saving me in my soul. We call it Christian growth. That day I trusted Him. I trusted Him with everything I had. I've been back and, and, and questioned uh, the question on my heart was, are you really saved? Here's what I come to. Lord, I've done everything I know to call on you as best I can with everything I've got. Now I'm depending on you to do the rest. That old boy over in the Bible said, I believe, help my unbelief. Fill in the cracks for me. St 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 Get what I can't get done, you do, Lord. That's the promise of God. That's what He is Christ in you. But one of these days, First John chapter three said it does not yet appear what we'll be. But when we see Him, we'll be we'll we'll be like Him, for we'll see Him as He is. These eyes, I've got Paul and Peter. And John, I've got, I've got eyewitness. That New Testament is eyewitnesses accounts of people that were there with him, and they've told me the story over what 
all, all kinds of ways and in all kinds of situations. I've got their eye view of it. But one day it's going to be these eyeballs. And in that day, you, hey, look at this old body. Looks like it wore out three people. Uh, make a freight train take a dirt road. You know, there's nothing pretty about it, nothing to brag about it. But one of these days, you better watch out. Because he's going to save the rest of me that day. And it does not yet appear what he'll be that day. When that, when that flesh gets saved. He's been an enemy all, all those 70 years. He's the biggest enemy I have to serving God. But that day he's going to take care of him. And he's going to change him to look like Jesus. I'll be just as glorified as he was. Oh, Johnny Flanagan. Any of y'all ever hear of the Flanagans? Johnny and Nelda Flanagan. Johnny wrote, I wish I had, I was thinking this week, I wish I had a songbook or a list of the songs that he wrote because he had such a, he was a hillbilly, but he had a hillbilly way of saying things and, and it made sense after you. He had a song, he said, he said, I'm already over on the other side just waiting for my brand new body to be. Think about it. The day he moved in, I'm, a, I'm as sure for heaven as if I'm... Spurgeon said the day he moved in, I became the glory of God. Think of Christ in you. The hope, the, the dead, concrete, settled, faith, hope of glory. There's no... The anticipation that, hey... Every once in a while when you're dragging around, you ought to just get back over at that book and try to find something on Jesus and let him put a spark of glory back in you. Let him cheer you up and warm you up and drive the darkness out of your life for a little while. Satan will take care of putting plenty of darkness back in you. But the only thing that the only anchor we have is that hope of glory. Entering glory will be the conclusion of all our conflicts, the consummation of all God's promises, and the commencement of eternal, every speck, glory. Not one tear, not one heartache. It is all glory. We'll jump from grief to glory, from pain to pleasure, from heartache to happiness. I don't have any words to de describe the glory of God. I've tried to study the glory of God. I've tried to preach on the glory of God. And it's just, a, the, the subject is too big. But one of these days, we'll live in it and dwell in it 
forever. It's all, it's all turning to glory. I think about these folks around us. Come in here every week, stop out here to Bible handout. You know, we've had drunks come in drunk. We've had people come in looking for, people come to church looking for the wrong things. Good people come with a mistaken idea of what church is all about. Church is you and me opening up, letting the Prince of Glory move in. And from that day forth, we can have church if nobody shows up. I mean, it's me and him every day. And he's the hope of glory. But there's a whole crowd that runs a street out here. That, that, that these cities, you turn the news on after a while, there'll be another shooting or another drunk driver or something. They have no idea. They, they don't have a hope of glory. They don't know. Somebody's, somebody's selling them on the idea that if you'll support me, you can know the glory of God. Somebody else is saying, if you get over here, get, throw that Bible away. Don't let that, don't let that word of God drag you down. Get over here and let's have a good time and we'll know the glory of God. You better not believe that junk. They, they go from pillar to post looking for what God has already done in our hearts. There's not a, there, there's not a, not a drop of alcohol anywhere that can do for you what Jesus in your heart will do. There's no drug. But those folks are those folks are searching in their darkness, looking. We need to be we need to let our light so shine before men. We need to open up. Hey, that old boy said, "Look, look over here. You're looking at the righteousness of Christ." Before the week was over, I was wanting to say, "Let me, let me." Throw open one time. Let me, let me, let them get a glimpse of me. It's not what we do. It's what he does. It's Christ in you. The hope of glory. Brother Gary, would you lead us in a word of prayer and we'll be dismissed. Thank you for our Bible study tonight, and thank you for these loved ones. Bring us again Sunday to serve you. Give us some souls. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.